Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. We've talked about it before, and it's simply a statement of fact. There are levels of fame. At the bottom rung, you have your flash in the pan 15 minute folks. People that are famous on a meme level think the hide your wife guy or double rainbow guy or bad luck Brian. These people are famous for nothing more than being memorable for a single situation. You don't know their names and you're not going to bother looking them up. Then you have your D-list celebrities, folks like Eric Estrada or Kathy Griffin or Andy Dick. You know their names probably and you're somewhat familiar with their work maybe, but it's obvious that they're clinging to the limelight and often willing to do anything to remain in it. Let's skip up to your A-listers. George Clooney's and Johnny Depp's and Scarlett Johansson's. You're probably very familiar with their faces and with their work, and their stars so large that they have to make a serious effort to destroy their fame. They can't even leave their own houses without being surrounded by paparazzi and fans. And one step above them, you have beloved icons. The people that have exited the stratosphere of the fame planet and are in their own orbit. They're so famous that they're almost an idea rather than a person. Most of these people are dead. Think Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, or James Dean. Up until a couple months ago, Betty White was a living version of the icon. But since she's passed away, there's only one person that can probably take that living icon position. I'm talking about Dolly Parton, and she's the subject of our show today. And before you start yelling at us about featuring her on a show called Asshole Court, a woman that so clearly seems to be the opposite, just know that we're not here to trash Dolly Parton. Instead, we wanted to start the year off on a positive note and talk about someone that isn't a wretched excuse for a human being before we get back to our regularly scheduled shred fest. So tune up that guitar and banjo, put on that huge blonde wig, and push that bosom out as we dissect the life of a living legend on this latest episode of Asshole Court. Um, the question is, if you could tell teenagers of America today one thing, whether it be advice or something of support, what would it be? I would say, act like it's raining every day and wear your rubbers. <laughs> So before we get started, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, a Reddit user, Talking Chairs, who actually suggested, first of all, that we do a show on somebody that isn't an asshole, uh, just to sort of, you know, offset, you know, everything we do. <laughs> so, uh, and then also uh, she actually, or he, I don't, I'm not even sure, suggested Dolly Parton, in fact. So it seemed like a, a good fit. So uh, Talking Chairs, 
Thank you very much. Big ups, Talking Chairs. Good suggestion, too. I think this would be a fun one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about doing this, you know, but we weren't sure if anybody was ready for it That's or right. if that should be a way that we should go. Well, Pete Davidson wound up being a really low-scoring subject. That is true. That was show. an unintentional uh, yeah. non-asshole. They scored regular. Today, we're going to be talking about someone that's borderline saney. Yeah. Is that even a word? I don't saintly? think Saint, Saintly. There you go. Saintly. Call her saney? Saney. <laughs> Sandy Claus Sandy Claus She yeah. does have a lot of Christmas songs She so, does yeah. I mean, Why not She has like 73 albums You're going to put some Christmas songs in there I imagine At some point yep. yeah, yeah Exactly uh, So with that in mind Let's go ahead and get Preliminary scores On our dear friend Dolly Parton Randy what you got Alright so Coming up as a young lad I knew Dolly Parton For one thing Her big old titties <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, That is pretty much As a kid like you literally would call them Dolly Partons. Like That's if, true. If a lady had big titties, they were oh look at the Dolly Partons on that girl. That's right. Yep. Like, I remember that. That was what she was known for. Yeah. I, I wasn't listening to a lot of old country western when I right. was eight to thirty eight years old. That's fair. Um, but honestly, over the last five years, what a comeback! Right. Like mm-hmm. yeah. she's all of a sudden kind of back in the limelight. Probably helps that she's the godmother to Miley Cyrus. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's obviously helps getting name recognition but it's really cool to see her kind of making a comeback and i think the public is really kind of embracing her because this may be kind of the end of you know the her her run all right yeah, <laughs> randy bring it in the yeah the dark side here hey betty don't be putting that out there into the ether uh, not at all betty white lived to be old as shit i don't know exactly how old dolly parton is but uh, like a thousand like you said it's good to see us kind of know we've got an icon to, to remember but pre-show man she's like a Fucking two and a half. Okay. 2.5. Slightly better than the average person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right, All right buddy. What are your thoughts? All right. So, you know, I, I just love Dolly. I've listened to a little bit of her music, um, but I think for me, I like her personality and just what you see from her. She's she's very authentic. And that's something that you don't catch a lot in Hollywood these days or in the mainstream media. Um, and she exists in Dollywood, baby. That's, right. yeah. that's the, the the more honest side of Hollywood, I think, is yeah. Dollywood. Yeah, I guess so. And, uh, you know, I've been up to Gatlinburg several times. Yeah. You know, I love it up in that area. I've actually never made it over to Dollywood. Yeah, I don't really care for amusement parks anyway. So I'm not going to go to one that's like weaker than Six Flags. <laughs> <laughs> True. We got a pretty good one not too far from yeah. us. Yeah. So, but, um, no, but I, I just love her style of humor. She says what's on her mind and she's not afraid to be who she is. She has a very sassy and borderline sexual comedic style about her. Mm-hmm. And um, she doesn't she has no filter. So I just love somebody that is that far up the ladder that doesn't try to hide who she is um, for her image. You know, I, I love some of her songs. I, I love how talented she is as a writer. She's written thousands of songs. And so, um, yeah, no, she's just super talented. And I've got a lot of respect for her. So pre-show, if the average person we say is a three or four. I've got to drop her way below that just for everything that I know about her and what she's done for her community and even more so at large. So, yeah, I'm going to start her off initially at a 1.75. All right. 1.75 with no mention of large breasts by Buddy. Mikey, (laughs) pre-show score. What do you got for Dolly Parton? Huge tits. There we Uh, go. Also a good person. Uh, My my grandmother was a huge fan of hers. And I didn't listen to a lot of... I thought you were about to say, my grandmother had huge tits too. (laughs) (laughs) She she did because she was gigantic. So the older, you know, the bigger the woman gets, the bigger those tits 
wisdom is I'll scale. R.I.P. Grandma, <laughs> you were you were pretty chill. Uh, but no, uh, I've known about it for a long time. I didn't really get into her music for the longest time because it just wasn't cool. Like old school country was like the antithesis of cool growing up. Right. And then and I don't know the two thousands like for hipsters, people really got into old school country, uh, including myself to some extent. There was even some crossover and stuff like um, rap. Like there was Praz, ODB, mm-hmm. and Maya's song right. Ghetto Superstar yep. was influenced by... Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream. That's yeah, right. exactly. Her and so, Kenny Rogers, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, she's she's made her mark on the music world and, and really everywhere. She, like I said, she's a legitimate icon. Like you could just show a picture to almost anybody and they're like, that's Dolly fucking Parton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool that she's like, uh, seems to be just a genuinely nice person and, and like Buddy was pointing to very sincere and authentic person, which is uh, where we're going to get into all that. Uh, so I will start her off at a 1.5. Uh, she is, there's not much bad there that I could possibly find. And uh, as I went through the research, we'll we'll uh, figure out what the final scores are. But I, from the beginning, I'd say 1.5. All right. All right. All right. With a 2.5 from Randy, a 1.75 from Buddy, and a 1.5 from Mikey, Dolly Parton's pre-show asshole score is a 1.92. Damn, 1.92. Lowest pre-show score ever. We got Easily. Mr. We got yeah. Mr. Rogers at a 1.0. Our lowest score was the Pilgrims at 3.83. Um and Davidson. then Pete Davidson came yeah. up after that. Yeah, around yep. yeah. four ish, something. Yeah, something four point like one or four point two, something like so, that. Yeah. Dolly, like you this said, is, this is pre-score too. Pre-score. Pilgrim Man. started it heavy initially. Yeah, we thought they were out there slitting Indians' throats. But it wasn't the case. Man, by the end of this episode, it might be the scale from Dolly Parton to Hitler. The way it's things are going, true. who knows? It's true. Well, let's see. Well, you guys ready to find out? Let's uncover it. <laughs> Let's dive in those double D's. D's, boy. Dolly Rebecca Parton is born on January 19th, 1946, in a tiny one room cabin on the banks of the Little Pigeon River in Pittman Center, Tennessee. So her first name really is Dolly. It really is. Dolly oh, wow. Rebecca Parton. Huh. You would no think that'd fake be short names for something. Yeah. Yeah. Delicifer. Darlene. Yeah, Darlene. <laughs> Darlene. <laughs> no. Uh, she is the fourth of what would be Avi Lee Caroline and Robert Lee Parton Sr.'s 12 child brood. God, oh, wow. Lady. And Rob- Robert Lee. Yeah, like. oh, yeah, of course. It's Tennessee <laughs> in the 40s. You think those motherfuckers weren't like absolutely worshiping Robert E. Lee? Uh, 12 like, kids. 12 kids. And they did they live on a farm? They lived on in a one room cabin. That was a subsistence farm that we'll, oh we'll get into. Robert actually went by Lee, and Avi uh, went by pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right? Imagine, yeah, for pretty much 15 years she was yeah. pregnant. And although this is, in the grand scheme of things, only a short while ago, really just under 80 years ago, the reality is that the Partons lived an impoverished lifestyle that could have just as easily existed in 1846. Mm. The tiny cabin, again, just one fucking room, didn't have any modern conveniences. As Dolly would later say, we had running water when we would run to go get it. Oh, yeah, (laughs) right. There was no electricity or indoor plumbing, so the family took turns taking dumps in a discarded Tennessee Volunteers football helmet (laughs) that they (laughs) had come across. Nice. There are a lot of people that talk a big game about growing up in poverty, but Dolly Parton, unlike Drake, really did start from the bottom. For instance... How much do you think Daddy Robert was able to pay the doctor who made the house call and delivered little Dolly? 
God. Man, it was a like bug. A, a chicken. Yeah. Dr. Robert F. Thomas went home that night, paid with a handsome sum of a sack of cornmeal. Oh, wow. There you go. No shit. Mm. That is fucking poverty. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a really nice doctor, to be honest. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Gosh, but I wonder if that was also, like, just the area that he was in as well. Yeah, I mean, that's well, why. Well, in hell, he knew what he was getting into. He was like, Jesus Christ, down to the partons again. Yeah. Pregnant's popping out another one. That's what why. What will I get this time? Ooh, <laughs> sack of cornmeal. <laughs> Christ, last week I made 40 bucks. This dude's sliding me dinner. Yeah, it's true. I mean, honestly, it's a problem to this day. Like I had to if go to side dish for dinner, not even, <laughs> yeah. not even the meal. I mean, I, I had to work at a number of rural hospitals, man. And it is doctors don't go out there. They don't, yeah. Why would you want to go there? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not great. It's fucking poverty. Absolutely. It's like the type of existence that warrants a charity donation, the equivalent of a cup of coffee a day or some shit. Yeah, right. For real. Dolly describes her family at this point as dirt poor. And that seems generous. Abby Lee, her mother, Abby Lee, Abby or Abby, we're going to go with Abby. Abby Lee, her mother, was the poster child of barefoot and pregnant. Between the ages of 15 to 35, she was pregnant 10 times. The last pregnancy was twins, which I'm sure Lee fucking loved. <laughs> go out with a bang. You know? So I did the math. For that stretch, Abby Lee was fucking pregnant nearly 38% of the time. Wow. Over a 20-year period? 20-year period. Ladies, imagine being pregnant for one-third of the time for two whole decades. Jeez, that's insane. But my grandmother was uh, the oldest of 17, mm -hmm. and that was like just back well, that, in the early 1900s. That was the labor on your farm was your kids. That's you exactly had to right. make as many kids to run the farm as you needed as labor. We were talking about that at work today. They're like, how do they afford it? I was like, they weren't liabilities then. They were assets. Yeah. yeah. They're like, you got extra hands. Mm-hmm. In those scenarios, the older children tend to become surrogate parents for the younger kids, and this was no different. Sadly, the baby sibling Parton was charged with caring for got sick and died. Oh, that sucks. And I, I think this is like a life that is hard to imagine for almost anyone listening to the show, honestly. That's, again, it's only 80 years ago, but it may as well have been two, 300 years ago. Right. It's, it's it nuts. sounds like out of a book, more so, or a movie that you yeah. would see more so than actual reality. Absolutely. And she actually had an album that came out late 60s or whatever, and it had a picture of their cabin. Oh, yeah. And it was like my Tennessee home or something like that. I don't know, man. But you're like, that sucks, man. It literally just a four walls and a roof. Four walls and a roof. I mean, it, it looks not great. And you're like, there's 14 people in that bitch? Oh, my God. Jeez. Not great. <clears throat> Imagine somebody with like a bad case of gas. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah. You just oh. get used to farts. and uh, I mean, they don't even have plumbing. Again, they're having to take a shit in the helmet in from the, the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> exactly. The old Vols helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, the family lives in their uh, one-bedroom cabin and exists on subsistence farming like I was talking about. But apparently, at one point, Lee did decide to make a move. Dolly remembers telling her, uh, or people telling her dad, quote, Lee, you ought to go up there and get them kids out of that hauler. Uh, but after a short stint in Detroit when Dolly was a child, Lee announced that he would die in the East Tennessee mountains. They wouldn't have much there, he knew, but they would be like home and he could like provide the necessities, food, shelter, and a football helmet to shit in. <laughs> and I'm sure a sense of community that was the rest of his family and stuff yeah. like that. Did he go to know? Detroit for the auto yep. industry? Yeah. In the mid-century yeah, or mid-20th century, yeah. a lot of people went up from the South. And he was like, you know, like I said, he went up to a major city and tried the nine to five life and said, fuck that. Mm. Which I can understand, I suppose. Sure. I mean, that's a very 
drastic change in lifestyle, yeah. I think. Yeah, 100 percent And um, the winters are are they much more brutal up there in Detroit it's as opposed to where they are in Tennessee? Uh t- like, Tennessee Mountains get pretty cold, but Detroit's a different ball game. I mean, you're yeah. up, you know, it's four or five hundred miles up. So Yeah. Anyways, the Partons, being the mountain folk that they are in the hollers of Tennessee, well, they're Pentecostal. You know, speaking in tongues and dancing in the church aisles and handling a snake or two. She was brought up in the Church of God in a congregation for her grandfather, Jake Robert Owens, and he pastored it. Right? Oh, man. Jake Roberts? Yeah. The, Jake the, the snake? The, exactly. The Pentecostal with yeah. the snake? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's true. I'm liking where this is going. <laughs> Dolly Parton's childhood pastor was Jake the Snake Roberts? That's it. Hell yeah. That's All it. Right. Scared the hell out of Andre the Giant that one time in, in congregation. Uh, at six, she begins performing for her fellow congregates. She does a hillbilly hymnal version of Britney Spears' 2001 VMA performance, singing the old rugged cross and dancing with a giant snake draped across her shoulders. This is, of course, not true. <laughs> At least I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if her church was like the snake handling type of Pentecostals or not, but it's fun to imagine. Sure. Yeah, you know. What we do know is that a little dolly played a homemade guitar at least until her uncle pitched in, perhaps out of sympathy, and bought her an actual guitar when she was eight. I wanted to see what this homemade guitar looked like, but couldn't find any pictures. You know, I just wanted to see what that would look I, like. I was thinking to myself, what the hell does a homemade guitar look like? A stick with some string on it. Yeah. Like, what if it was like really great though, you know? Like, they're like, we should start a guitar company. And they're like, <laughs> we don't have the capital. <laughs> <laughs> Call this a Stratocaster, Danny. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of which, I saw a Stradivarius violin recently. Oh, did you? Yeah, so yeah. it was valued between eight and twenty million dollars. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, yeah. there's only so it's many of them out there. Yeah, and they go away. They loan them out to people. Yeah, it was in like a the people that are like the uh, outstanding violinists really? will get loaned a Stradivarius sometimes if they're like really high up. Wow. And one actually had their Stradivarius stolen while oh. they were at a bus. <laughs> are you serious? Oh. Dead, dead serious. Wow. Yeah. Insurance. Yeah, it's got to be insured. Yeah. It's crazy. You're walking around with the, that giant house that's down the street from us where you're like, yeah. that's ridiculous. The house is way too big. Imagine packing all that money into a tiny little case. Dude, and, and the violin's like yeah. that big. Yeah. yeah. It is not big. Take it to a bus stop. Yep. It's smart. <laughs> Anyways, Dolly is good enough at, the, at, like, at an early age that she begins appearing on local radio and TV programs in East Tennessee. At 10, she appears on the Cass Walker Show in Knoxville, and by 13, she's at uh, Gold Band Records in Louisiana recording her first single, Puppy Love. I just envision like the radio show being, it's the Backwoods Redneck Hour with Billy Joe and Bobby Boy here. <laughs> Dolly Parton from the Hollers of Tennessee. Yes, he said, oh man, he's strung, he strumming on this uh, homemade guitar we made out of a soapbox, baby. <laughs> Man, and poor Dolly has to deal with this shit all the time. I'm sure. All the time. We'll get into this later, but it's just, yeah, you're, you're a fucking bunch of hillbillies, basically. Yep. Uh, she appears at the Grand Old Opry and meets Johnny Cash. She admits that she had a huge crush on Johnny Cash and that he gave her some sage advice, telling her to follow her own instincts when it came to her career, which might seem like generic advice that could be dispensed out of like pure politeness, but the truth is that Dolly at this time was definitely already her own person. Dolly Parton had a bit of a wild streak in her, calling herself uh, at one point the original punk rocker in the early 60s. Dolly pierced her ears to hang feathers and started ratting her hair, which is the technical term hairstyle is used for, you know, making it fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> like the 80s hair, but like oh, back in yeah. the 60s. That's it. 
and apparently her mother and preacher grandfather thought that she might actually be possessed to which Dolly told them to not give any credit to the devil because it was 100% Dolly. Oh, man. <laughs> Dolly recalled at this time, quote, I couldn't get my hair big enough or yaller enough. Couldn't get my skirt tight enough. My blouse is low enough. Of course, I had to get away from home to really put on the dog. I'd go into a four for a quarter picture booth at Woolworths, unbutton my blouse, push my headlights up with my arms and take pictures. Oh, wow, man. She was really pushing the envelope back then. She was. That was a tough one, man. And the rebellion of being feminine and sexual actually makes some sense because as Dolly would point out, there wasn't much femininity allowed in her mountain locale. Quote, my sisters and I used to cling desperately to anything halfway feminine. We would see pictures of the models in the newspapers that lined the walls of our house and the occasional glimpse we would get at a magazine. We wanted to look like them. They didn't look at all like they had to work in the fields. They didn't look like they had to take a spit bath in a dishpan. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there was like some level of power to that, she thought, right? She said, quote, glamorous women in magazines didn't look as if men and boys could just put their hands on them anytime they felt like it and with any degree of roughness they chose. The way they looked, if a man wanted to touch them, he better be damn nice to them. Which huh. is, so she liked the power that came with looking good. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it's sad that that's from the environment that she grew up in. Like, yeah. you know. So, I mean, let's get down to the meat and potatoes. Ever. I mean, the, the titties. Like, how have they always been that big? She did, uh, she did point out that she was blessed from a young age. Okay. And um, she was always catching the guy's attention. Yeah, I mean, she was just like, yeah, a lot of her, she said that, that she developed early and a lot of people that in her family did as well. Now, she also pointed out, she was like, but if I was the type of person, she's like, knowing me, if they weren't real, I'd be the type of person to fucking make them huge anyways. Right. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, that's pretty dope. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, anyways, get away from home, Dolly did, right? So she could put on the dog. Having already appeared on multiple radio and TV shows, recorded a single, and played the Grand Old Opry, Dolly did the very reasonable thing of heading straight to Nashville following her high school graduation. She initially signed with Combine Publishing and, working with her uncle Bill Owens, wrote several songs that charted. Songs like Put It Off Until Tomorrow, first covered by Bill Phillips, and Fuel to the Flame, recorded by Skeeter Davis, which, if you happen to have any interest in old school country, I'd recommend giving a listen because they're actually, honestly, pretty great. Skeeter Davis? Skeeter Davis. This was the 1960s. This was uh, country music. This was very different. Sounds about right. Now they're all like Byron Austin. <laughs> they're like, hey, Skeeter Davis back then. That sounds like a porn name. It Skeeter does. Davis. Right? Other artists covered... Stepmom. Skeeter Davis. <laughs> Stepmom gets stuck in the dryer. That's Skeeter it. Davis comes home to rescue. That's it. Now it's, yeah, it's transitioned from 60s country into Pornhub. <laughs> uh, other artists cover the songs that she writes, even uh, Hank Williams Jr. at the time. And this gives her uh, enough leverage to sign as a performer with Monument Records when she is just 19. Oh, wow. Trouble was that Monument saw her as a bubblegum pop artist and produced her music as such. They were apparently concerned that her voice was too high in range to sound authentic as a country artist. This approach does not work well, and none of her initial singles uh, like perform well at all this time. Oh, wow. Thankfully, uh, right around this time, Bill Phillips' uh, version of her song, Put It Off Until Tomorrow, which did chart, featured Dolly as a background uh, vocalist and climbs all the way to number six on the country charts. So the label relents and allows her to record like a country album. Like was, her style. Exactly. All She's right. like, I don't want to be bubblegum pop. Uh, and, uh, you know, she finally gets it when, when that one hits the chart, so... Uh, she puts out her first country album, Hello, I'm Dolly, in 1967. 
The first two uh, singles, Dumb Blonde and Something Fishy, both chart. Something Fishy is great because it's a song about thinking her husband's cheating on her while he's on fishing trips. It's <laughs> <laughs> really good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably a very common theme back then. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so as I was researching the show, I spent a good bit of time listening to Hello, I'm Dolly, and I'll say that it's actually pretty good, man. I mean, it's not a bad album if you like old country music. But the standout song, the one that made me think, dude, Dolly Parton has always been cool as fuck, is a song called I Don't Want to Throw Rice. It's a classic country trope, honestly a trope that spanned all popular music at this time, in which the singer is lamenting losing the love of their life to someone else and being forced to know that their lover is getting married to the person that stole them. I could, yeah. I, when you said that, I, that's what I was piecing together. Yeah, I was Absolutely. like, she doesn't want to go to weddings. Yep. That's you know. right. Uh, Etta James, All I Could Do Was Cry is a, a great example of this type of, uh, of of track. God, I love Etta James. Oh, yeah. At uh, last. Yeah. yeah. All I Could Do Was Cry is a great track. Yeah. But whereas Etta James talks about how devastated and helpless she is, Dolly's take is much more hilarious and devilish. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I love Dolly. Yeah. The chorus tells the audience that Dolly doesn't want to throw rice at their wedding. Instead, she says, what she wants to throw will surely black her eyes. <laughs> Namely, rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not kicking rocks. No. She, she wants to like, throw rocks. I don't want to throw rice. I want to throw rocks at her. Yeah. Uh, and the greatest line is this. <laughs> Quote, well, I never stole nothing in my life. But if I get the chance, I'll steal him from his wife because all is fair in love and war. Maybe I'm carrying this too far, but I feel like tying dynamite to her side of the car. Oh, man. <laughs> man. <laughs> metal all- is fucked. Dude. <laughs> I'm just going to car bomber. Uh-huh. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Let's car bomb that hoe. I yeah, was like, I love awesome. it, dude. Yeah. This is back in the 60s, 60s early 70s. 60s, 70s. Yeah. That was, that was 67. Yeah. Came out. yeah. Going to get groceries? I'm going to car bomb her ass one yeah. day. <laughs> She better watch it. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm a fucker man. Yeah, she said. She <laughs> said if, I a, if I get a chance, I'll steal him from his wife. And blow her up in a car bomb like <laughs> Dylan's daddy in 90210. That's it. She's like about five years of a movie called Godfather. I'm going to do what they did my Corleone's wife. <laughs> Tired of commercials in the middle of your asshole court episodes? Do you want to say in the next show subject or the next conspiracy we discuss? Well, now you can. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Get those ad-free shows you want. Get some input on who you want to hear about and become internet famous with a shout out on one of our shows. We've even got stickers and swag to show off to all your friends and you'll get new Conspiracy Court episodes as well. Go to patreon.com slash AHC podcast to find us today. Now, let's get back to the courtroom. Anyway, Dolly is big enough at this point that she's approached by a guy named Porter Wagner, uh, who is basically like the Vince McMahon of country music. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Like he's um, he's kind of like one of the first country superstars that gets his own show. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, he had a massively popular organization that put out a syndicated weekly television show, a radio show, and toured the country as well. Like he was on, like it was the biggest country show at the time. I mean, across yeah. the entire country. Kind of like think like Grand Old Opry. Yep. Like, I'm yep. just huge, huge. Yeah. Uh, he offers Dolly an opportunity to be featured uh, in his organization, giving her a regular spot on his weekly TV show and uh, like on the road show as well. Yeah, she's actually the replacement. Uh, the, he Portis had uh, another chick that was singing on the show, but then she left. That's right. And then Dolly got called up 
and started and then started doing duets with him and stuff like that on the show. Yeah. And they didn't take kindly to her at first, she said in, in her uh, autobiography. She was saying that they were like, I can't remember the other girl's name is like uh, Brenda Lee or some, you know, right. some hillbilly shit. And uh, she was like, when she went on stage, they were like chanting this other girl's name. Oh, man. Uh, it was not a warm welcome that right. she received. No, but they definitely eventually, you know, they changed their tune. Her. And yeah. I wonder what it's like to be that lady now, if she's even alive and be like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> That could have been me, damn it. That's right. But anyways, Dolly agrees, and uh, this opportunity also creates an opportunity for her as uh, Porter Wagoner convinces his label, RCA, to sign Dolly as well. So she leaves Monument Records, and he's like, you're going to sign RCA, which is a way bigger deal. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, and RCA's stipulation is that they record together. So they do. Dolly's first single is a duet with Wagoner covering The Last Thing on My Mind. It quickly reaches the top 10, and they're off and running. Like hit after hit after hit for the next six years. And they were named like vocal duo of the year in 1968, the very next year, and ended up getting it three times from the CMAs. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, the trouble is that Dolly isn't having much success without being directly tied to Wagoner, right? She's releasing solo albums around this time and having middling success. So there's questions as to whether she's like a legitimate star or just tied to Wagoner's um, wagon. I was yeah. going to try to make some sort of hitch to his wagon joke. Yeah, it's just there. Yeah. I actually didn't even mean to write that. And I was like, <laughs> eh, there you go. But all this changes when Wagoner convinces her to cover Jimmy Rogers' Mule Skinner Blues in 1970. Also, listen to this one. Fucking wild, dude. Like, straight up. I mean, she's yodeling and shit, dude. It's oh, wow. A, yeah, it was an old country song from before about a guy that's trying to get a job so he can, like, ride wagons. And a Mule Skinner's a dude that just, like, Basically, he's a, a wagon driver. Okay. He, like, skins that mule's ass with a yeah. whip. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's uh, it's pretty hype, dude. She's, like, into it, dude. I mean, like... I <laughs> she mean, commits. Whatever she, she commits, does, she commits fully. That first 15 seconds, she hits a note for about 14 seconds. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I'm telling you, man. She commits. Yeah, I'm a big fan. She's dope. Uh, the album shoots up to number three and is followed up with her first number one single, Joshua. And that's all she wrote, dude. From then on, she was a bona fide superstar. Uh, in 1973, she writes her two biggest hits, possibly in sequence, she says. So basically, she wrote these two songs like back to back, maybe in like a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe even the same night. That's it. The first is Jolene, which is probably the biggest Dolly Parton song for our generation, right? Uh, I was honestly introduced to the song properly by the White Stripes, who did the most badass cover it nearly like 20 years ago. But the original is really great, and her uh, goddaughter, like uh, that Randy was alluding to earlier, Miley Cyrus, also did a hell of a cover. Yeah. Oh, she a fucking a cover. crushed it. She did, but yeah. it was it's also great to do watch the White Stripes do it because yeah. oh, yeah. it rocks the fuck out, and he doesn't even bother with being like, uh, "Please don't take my woman." He's like, "Please don't take my man." Yeah. <laughs> nice. He said, "Fuck it, dude. I'm, just, I'm committing." Dude. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the song was inspired by a real life lady. Dolly Parton said the song was inspired by a flirtatious redhead bank teller uh, saying how the uh, teller would flirt with her husband, Carl Thomas Dean, which brings up something that is sort of interesting to me. And that is that Dolly Parton has been married to Carl Thomas Dean since May of 1966, nearly 57 years as of this recording. Yep. Man, that's awesome. They met they met up at uh, her first day in Nashville. She said at a wishy washy laundromat. Huh? Yeah. And I love that um, she was doing an interview on one of these shows, maybe Jimmy Fallon or something like that. And she was talking about how, like, as of right, like, it's it's probably like within the past five years or so. 
And she's talking about how her husband has a major crush on Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. And he's, she's like, I think he wants for us to have a threesome, you know, together. But man, he can't even get it up to pee, let alone for a three. (laughs) (laughs) Just fucking crushed him right on the fucking talk show. Dude. Yeah. Carl Dean ran an asphalt road paving business in Nashville for years, dude. And he was never a big fan of the spotlight and has done everything he can to avoid it, including not accompanying uh, Dolly to events. She likes to joke that he's only seen her perform once. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, of course, Dolly Parton does not go by Holly Dean, which brings up an interesting question we got from a listener recently. Heather Hardig wanted to know what we thought of women that didn't only hyphenate their names after marrying, <laughs> but simply kept their maiden name. Thanks, Randall. Here, we, I was go. Saying, Here we go. Considering some of the controversy with Randy's take on uh, hyphenated named women being, quote, kind of a bitch. <laughs> Honestly, I still stand by it. That's so, at Randy at AHC Podcast. <laughs> so I'll step back here and let Randy and Buddy trudge through this minefield. What do you guys think about a woman that doesn't even take a hyphenated name but keeps her original name? I can totally roll with that. If that's how they want to do it, that's cool. It's a, it's a pretty progressive stance. If you don't hyphenate it, I mean, I, I feel like that takes some of the bitch out of the move. Okay. Yeah. It's just, right. just stick into your guns and just stick with it, especially if you get married late in life yeah. and everybody knows you as one name and you get married. I can remember a famous newscaster in Atlanta, Monica mm-hmm. Kaufman. That's right. She got married when she was like 55. That's right. And all of a sudden oh, yeah. she became Monica Pearson. And everybody's yeah, like, no, nope. who? Yeah, I, I thought that. I was like, who the hell is that? That's your Monica brand Pearson. name. Huh? Yeah, that's Monica Kaufman. You're like, yeah. no, that's so it just so I could see that that actually makes more sense to me. Well, yeah, and also, like I said, uh, like I uh, responded to Heather Hardig, I was like, uh, it makes a lot more sense. Also, if your husband has a shitty last name, like Skank or something right. like that, you want to <laughs> just go ahead and skip skip that name. Hardboner or something. Yeah, yeah. Hardboner. Harboner. Harboner. <laughs> no, I mean, it also could be something that is just drilled into their heads from a young age as well. Like maybe like you feel like you owe it to daddy to keep your name or something like that. It's gonna be weird. Your dad needs to be checked. Well, if you're, well, if you're like, you don't ever get rid of that well, name. You're mine. You're like Jenny Pringles, and your dad's Mr. Pringles. Like, yeah, Jenny Pringles might keep her last name. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, if I'm marrying Jenny Pringles and she got Pringles money, keep that name, girl. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be I, Randy Cheevers. You can be Heather Pringle or whatever the fuck your name is. I actually uh, had a guy, an IT guy, I was talking to at work the other day, and he had the last name Stone Cipher. And I was like, that is an incredible name, man. And I was like, stop what we're doing here. And let me, he was like, yeah, I get that a lot. I was like, I guess so. Are you like a, uh, like a a British spy or he was like, well, I get that a lot. Or a lot of people say like trust fund thing. And he was like, but you know, he was like, uh, I don't come from money. So my grandma always said, we, we got the, all the class, but none of the money. And I was like, shit, you can call me Jerry loser for a couple million a year, bro. I don't give a fuck. Anyways, as it turns out, Dolly Parton says that although she doesn't use the name Dean professionally, her passport has her listed as Dolly Parton Dean. So, you know, a hyphenated name. So Randy thinks she's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, does it show her middle name as Parton and her last name as Dean? I have no clue. I'm just giving you a hard time. (laughs) If it's not hyphenated, again, bitch level of reduction. (laughs) (laughs) I commend you for sticking to that. Look, man, I said it and I'll stick to it. It not all women that hyphenate their last names are just most at all. I have just found that in my life, Mm -hmm. 
Oftentimes, I'll run into someone with a hyphenated last name, and they come across as kind of a bitch. I, I actually agree with that. I'm actually just giving you a hard time for fun. It's all good. And it was all came into uh, play here because Heather Hardig had asked us, and I yeah. was like, you know what? I think I'm going to include this in on the show. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Heather. I yeah. like this portion of the show. Absolutely. That's it. Like I said, just having fun with the Instagram question and relevant show subject. Uh, and big ups, Heather. Thanks for, for calling me out. I don't mind talking about it. It's awesome. Thank you. Moving on. So we discussed Jolene. Now let's talk I Will Always Love You. Because Dolly wrote that one night after she pinned Jolene. Allegedly, right? And that song, thanks to Whitney Houston's cover, probably earned her more money in the early 90s than MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice combined. Hmm. The song itself was pinned as the working relationship between Dolly and Porter Wagner was winding down. Dolly was ready to move on and fly entirely solo, but Porter didn't think that she should. Dolly recalled thinking, quote, how am I going to make him understand how much I appreciate everything, but that I have to go? So I went home and I thought, well, what do you do best? You write songs. So I sat down and I wrote the song. She said she took it uh, into him the next day and said, Porter, sit down. I've written something I think you need to hear. She said, I started singing, I will always love you. And he started crying. When I finished, she said, well, hell, if you feel that strong about it, just go on. Providing I get to produce that record because that's the best song you ever wrote. <laughs> now, this is a quote from her? Yep. Okay, because I thought I'd heard a different version of it where Porter was getting frustrated with Dolly just mm -hmm. from a sense of that he felt that all the attention was going towards her mm -hmm. and that it wasn't anything like he wasn't getting all the you know fame that he should be getting mm -hmm. so he started like kind of laying down the law was like hey you don't you don't get to come onto this show and sing your songs that you've written you're only going to be doing what what i say that we're doing like yeah. my songs and my covers and she was like yeah nah, I i'm done with it at this point and yeah. that's you know when she wrote the song it, it gets a little hazy there's a lot of different variations of this but i just chose to take this one because it was a direct quote from her about yeah. what occurred and i was like i could see that happening you know, I don't know. I said, but side note here, after Dolly's career blossomed and she went mainstream in A-list, Porter Wagner did not. And he ultimately attempted to sue her in the late 70s. Mm. I read in one place that it was for like $3 million. They settled out of court for $1 million is one of the rumors I heard. I don't know if that's true sure, or not. Sure, because they never published what you settled out of court for. That's right. But eventually they reconciled and put out one final duet album together in 1980, uh, which was Porter and Dolly. Give me your fucking money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. the name of the album. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I need I mean, my payday because yeah. I'm on the way out. Well, there's a, another story I heard, which I couldn't verify. I was really trying to verify it in terms of how good of a person that she is. But like uh, they were saying that uh, after they you know, separated, that she you know, went on to fame. He did not. He made a, a, a bunch of like bad investments and ended up being broke and that she ended up buying his catalog of music to help him out. And then at a certain point, he sort of recovered and tried to buy it back and that she actually just gave it back to him. It was oh. like, hey, dude, oh, wow. I don't I couldn't verify that. I yeah, don't sure. I tried. I tried to find multiple articles. It was actually they did a one on it was drunk history on Comedy Central, <laughs> which, again, super solid source. <laughs> but I don't know if that's true or not. But either way. Yeah. I mean, she definitely uh, is verified that they did a record in 1980, Porter and Dolly. And so I'm sure that helped him out a little bit. I wish we got Martin Scarelli on his ass. And when he went to get the catalog the back, album, yeah, yeah. she's like, $42 million, asshole. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pay up, Rick. That shit blew my mind, man. He was like talking shit about Ghostface Killer. I was like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. Ghostface is like, man, fuck you, dude. Uh, anyways, 
<laughs> side note here, I don't, I don't know how Carl Thomas Dean felt about it, uh, but I don't know that I'd be super stoked about my wife writing a song to her boss titled "I Will Always Love You." <laughs> but hey, they're still together, so hey, <laughs> tomato, tomato. That's you know. it. Anyways, another interesting thing about the song is that while a lot of people covered it, Linda Ronstadt and the aforementioned Whitney Houston, uh, it was almost covered by none other than Elvis Presley. But when she met with Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, she was told that standard contract for Elvis was that he would retain half the publishing rights to any song he covered. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you didn't write this, bitch. That's right. Oh, wow. Dolly said no and instantly took millions of dollars from future Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> yeah. Following but, me. I mean, can you imagine that, like, being able to, at that point in your career, was that, like, the early 70s mm-hmm. at this point? You've been around for five years, six years, something like that. To say no to Elvis at yeah. that point, yeah. like, that had to take, that took some double D titties just to say no to that. Yeah. Well, and also you're thinking, like, they're like, well, that's a fucked up deal. But you're like, dude, if you're somebody that, like, that, that isn't Dolly Parton who doesn't have, already have some mainstream success, and, like, Elvis is like, I want to cover your song. I want half of it. Or they wanted to do a duet of it. Yeah, or whatever. I mean, it, any song he covered, he, he would oh, get it would half. Go, it would it go would, to number one. Exactly. Go platinum. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, dude. Yeah. 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 I want to write a song. Elvis, please take it. Yeah. I don't yeah. give a yeah. shit. 100%. I'll take know? half of a lot instead of all of nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's insane that she had the gall to stand up to that and just say no. Well, it's true. It's, it's funny, too. I was reading early on about she was talking about uh, she got her business sense from her dad. She's like, my dad was actually a super smart guy. And I was like, but you were uh, dirt in a dirt house. <laughs> she was like, you guys lived in a mud house yeah. with fucking 15 people in one room. Yeah. Hey, he was a good businessman. Yeah. It was tough. I respect her uh, reverence for her father, but I also was just like, I feel like if he was really good at business, that things could have been better. He made one move, didn't work out. He came back home, yeah. said, fuck it, we're living in the mud house. <laughs> like, he felt like he, you know, they wouldn't have been shitting in the vols helmet right you know. yeah it's, yeah it's true i it, i remember reading that and i was like i don't want to be mean but <laughs> i don't know i don't think i'm gonna hire that guy to be my like my cfo advisor. Yeah. <laughs> uh anyways following the huge success of jolene and her split from porter wagner dolly jumped into superstardom appearing in movies like nine to five and the best little whorehouse in texas but the real standout movie for dolly parton was a timeless classic rhinestone have you guys ever heard of this movie? Rhinestone? Rhinestone. No. no. Let me give you the premise for Rhinestone here real quick. Okay? Dolly Parton is a country singer stuck in a shitty contract to perform nightly at a, a New York City country western bar, the Rhinestone. To get out of her contract, she makes a wager with a club manager that she can turn anyone into a country music sensation in like two weeks. If she succeeds, she gets out of the contract. The club manager agrees with a few stipulations. First, if she fails, he adds five years to her contract. Second, if she fails, he gets to sleep with her. Because this is a movie from the early 80s, and you know, why not? Third, he gets to pick the guy that she has to turn into a country music star. She agrees, and the manager selects as the potential country western star a New York City cab driver played by... Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's her rhinestone cowboy right there. That's it. There you go. Just absolutely Citizen Kane quality filmmaking. It doesn't get better than this. I'm serious. You should watch the trailer on YouTube. I watched it like four times. Hey, Dolly, I'm, I'm from the hollows. Uh, it's, it's literally <laughs> like that. 
I don't know what is this. I'm not even like this. And then, of course, they have to go down to Tennessee. They have to go down to Tennessee. So it's a fish out of water like trope. You know, and he's like, oh, at one point he's got a huge hat on with like fucking like raccoon tails. Off. I don't even know I've even been here before. <laughs> it's fucking atrocious. And at one point they make out. And I'm like, oh, oh my man. God. Rocky and Dolly Parton making out. I don't know what to do with myself. Um, it's for real. I mean, it's Man. so bad. It's, it's, it's so bad. Uh, it was nominated for multiple awards, including seven golden raspberry awards. One of which was worst original song, which was by Parton herself. The song's name is Drinkenstein. Drinkenstein. Oh, okay. Which was covered by none other than a less than game Sylvester Stallone in the movie. I recommend checking it out for about 15 <laughs> seconds. That's all you need. He has the hat. With the with the with the raccoon tails and it's like Budweiser, you made a monster out of me. Oh, no. wow. oh it's awful, dude. Wow. I did hear something from Dolly where she said that I guess right around this time, and I don't know if she worked with Sylvester on multiple projects or not, but she was at a point where like maybe she something had happened to her. She was going through severe depression. She had even thought had like suicidal thoughts. Mm. And she was just at a really low point in her life. And then she ended up on this movie with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. And just he's the one that brought her back, like his his love for life and his just acting. Or I don't know if his acting skills. No. <laughs> but uh, his influence and his energy is what really took her out of that funk and propelled mm-hmm. her right back up into the spotlight. She didn't touch another movie for five years after this one. She was like, ah, fuck it. It saved my <laughs> life, but it did not help. My acting. The next movie was Steel Magnolias, though, which was uh, very okay. well respected. Yeah, sure. I mean, look how stupid I am, and look how good I'm doing. Hey, forget <laughs> about it, huh? Go watch the fucking fun. Uh, anybody listening, please go to YouTube and just type in Rhinestone Trailer. It will blow your mind. He actually, at one point, does a full J turn in his taxi cab to pick them up. He's like, "Oh, this is what I'm doing here." <laughs> Anyways, all right, this movie does not kill Dolly's career somehow. I'm not sure how that happened, but it doesn't. Uh, She does a lot of touring and singing with Kenny Rogers around this time, also appearing in pictures on all the walls of his infamous restaurant, Kenny Rogers Roasters, which now seems to have uh, like only locations in Asia for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And on Seinfeld, that one episode. That's it. Absolutely, the light into Kramer's apartment. That's That's one of my favorite episodes right there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to point that out. Like For some reason, Kenny Rogers Roasters is the most absurd restaurant on the planet to me and always makes me laugh. Like even the name sounds like the punchline to a joke. <laughs> Kenny Rogers Roasters. I remember I actually ate at a Kenny Rogers Roasters off of like Sunset Boulevard in like 2001. <laughs> and I was like, cause I was just like, this seems fine. Let's check it out. It looks like a Boston market. And I go in there and there's nothing but Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton pictures everywhere. And they give you a real plate. And I'm like, why? <laughs> the fuck is this man, man every time i think of kenny rogers all i think of is that jackass skit oh yeah oh, i'm kenny the- rogers and this is catch the bat with my teeth trick catch the bat with my teeth trick <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's great i'm kenny rogers and this is the bat fetcher trick with my teeth <laughs> oh. Do you have a show subject that you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. 
As you know, we're full of good ideas, and some say full of other stuff. But we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout, and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Now, let's dive back into the courtroom. Dolly becomes an A-list celebrity without ever really changing who she is as a person, even though she was offered that advice multiple times. So she took Johnny Cash's advice off the rip. She did, yeah. And stuck to her guns. Yeah, she explains that as she was climbing the ranks of country music and celebrity, quote, the main advice that people wanted to give me was to change my look and to go simpler with my hair and the way that I dressed, not to look so cheap. Nobody was ever going to take me seriously. Uh, interestingly enough, Dolly said that she actually modeled the style after the, quote, town tramp from her hometown. Interesting. Bold yep. move, Cotton. That's yep. it. We'll yeah, see it if it pays off. off. It paid off pretty well. She added, quote, everybody said she was trash, and in my little girl mind, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to be when I grow up. It's really <laughs> what I was looking for after that. <laughs> she had that look then that was very common, like Jane Mansfield. Marilyn yeah. Monroe, mm-hmm. Jane Fonda. Yeah, Jane Fonda. Just Dude, 1960s Dolly Parton was a smoke show, bro. Oh, yeah. Like the the cover of her first album, that yeah. 1967 album, I Am Dolly Parton. Yeah. Like, she's hot on oh, that. Oh, yeah. Dude, just the dimples. Like, I mean, she was absolutely attractive, dude. Well, I mean, like, because, I mean, we're, you know, as we sit here and think about it, like most of our frame of reference is like thinking of Dolly from like the mid 90s. Yeah. After she's yep. had a lot of plastic surgery on yeah. her face, a lot of Botox and stuff. But, I mean, that's 30 years after she's releasing her first album. Yeah, she was definitely a looker back then. Yeah, 60s and 70s, Dolly Parton was hot, dude. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And this criticism wasn't just early in her career or done privately. While researching for this show, I came across uh, an interview that the recently deceased Barbara Walters did with Dolly Parton in 1977, and it was absolutely uncomfortable, dude. Barbara Walters basically asks her if she's a hillbilly. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow then in a roundabout way blaming her assistant for this barbara walters asked dolly if her boobs are fake okay but it gets worse barbara walters says quote you don't have to look like this you're very beautiful you don't have to wear the blonde wigs you don't have to wear the extreme clothes right dolly tells her that it's you know it's always been her choice that she doesn't she didn't like to be like everybody else and that she would never stoop so low as to be fashionable she was like that's the easiest thing in the world to do and i was like that's Pretty punk rock answer. Yeah. That's cool. I ain't going to dress like you, mm-hmm. city girl. You know, and fuck Barbara Walters for coming at her like that. I mean, <laughs> buddy said fuck Barbara Walters. Dude, I, I kind of feel like she's like kind of doing like what the 90s talk show hosts would do mm-hmm. to like think about like what Jay Leno and yeah. Letterman and them used to do to like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Like that's the same like. They would ask them dumb questions yeah. about their boobs and stuff like that. Yeah. And here, here's Barbara Walters doing it back in the 70s. Like, Well, and Dolly handles this so perfectly that I think it gets taught in some communications classes or whatever, right? Like She continues, she goes, quote, I'm very real as far as my outlook on life and the way I care about people and the way I care about myself and the things I care about. I just chose to do this. And show business is a money-making joke. And I've just always liked telling jokes. Yeah. Barbara follows this up with the question, but do you ever feel that you're a joke? That people make fun of you? To which Dolly replied, Bitch, I'll show you a fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> you speech impediment rocking upper crust skank. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's how I probably would have responded. But Dolly is better than I am. Much better. She responded this way. Oh, I know they make fun of me, but all these years that people have thought the joke was on me, it's actually on them. I am sure of myself as a person. 
I'm sure of my talent. I'm sure of my love for life and the, and that sort of thing. I'm very content. <clears throat> I like the kind of person I am. So I can afford to piddle uh, around and do uh, diddle around with makeup and clothes and stuff because I'm secure with myself. Yeah, good she's, answer. She's authentic. I love her. Like just being able to own and walk her own path mm-hmm. without having any kind of well, influence. And it on was that. a total kind of mic drop answer in the fact she never once mentioned like look how much money i've made jokes oh, yeah. on you right yeah. yeah oh you're you make fun of me but my bank account is mm-hmm. just exponentially and she did kind of allude i can diddle around and kind of do what i want because i'm not tied to a desk and yeah. you know nobody whatever. owns yeah. her in that sense yeah. yeah jokes on you motherfucker and she's right she's like it's show business it's a fucking joke anyways yeah, yeah. Kidding me to me like i said that's a, like an incredibly telling interaction Dolly Parton is a classy individual that is smart enough to roll with any punches, like even one of the most passive aggressive interviews I've ever seen in my entire life, dude. So I don't know about her dad being super money smart or whatever. She got something out of this whole thing, but she's super smart and is okay. She's very defensive about where she comes from, too, which is like, I feel bad. She's probably had to deal with this her entire life where people are like, oh, you're from the hills of Tennessee, you dumb hillbilly bitch. Yeah. She's just like, look, man, you know, I'm. Look where I'm at. Fuck yeah, look you. where I'm at. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Look who's throwing the insults. Yeah. You know? yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I went into the show knowing that Dolly Parton is most definitely an exceptionally kind-hearted, good-natured person. But this being AHC, I felt that it would be a disservice to our listeners to not at least attempt to find some negative character trait or interaction or whatever about Miss Parton. So I really tried. And the truth is... Uh, that either she has the greatest PR machine in the history of entertainment or she really is just an incredibly good person. And I'm entirely convinced that it's the latter. She never cheated on her husband. That would be that was the one thing like I was about to say. I was like, I, I couldn't find a single verified negative. The closest you'd get is whether or not she had an affair with Porter Wagner, and that's all speculation. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like it would have come out at this point. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no on that. We'll never know. We'll never know. You know, and it, it's their relationship is very interesting. I don't know. It's coin toss. Maybe it happened. I don't like to taint the image, so I'm going to be on the no yeah, side. Yeah. I'm not going to take a side either way. I'm like, you know, if you, either way, it would not surprise me. She did or she didn't. I'd be like, okay, all right, you did. You didn't. Okay, I can see that too. But the interesting thing is that Dolly Parton is, isn't just like a nice person. Like, you'll hear stories about how down to earth she is and polite and kind from everyone that she meets. Like, of course, but Dolly Parton is a lot more than just a nice person. In the late 80s, Dolly Parton begins her philanthropic work in earnest. And this is mostly what our generation and the generations younger than us think about when we hear about Dolly Parton. Here are just the highlights from her efforts to give back, especially to the community where she was raised. Yep. In 1988, she founds the Dollywood Foundation in uh, Sevier County, Tennessee. I think that's right. It's severe? Is it severe or sevier? I think it's severe. Probably severe. Yeah, it's severe. It's S-E-V-I-E-R? Yeah. I think it's severe. Okay, severe. I know it's, I know it's Severeville. Okay, right, there you go. Yeah. Severe County, Tennessee. I don't know. I don't live in the fucking sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey hasn't been up to Gatlinburg, we can tell. I know, because the skiing up there sucks balls. So why would I go up there? <laughs> Let me go to a second-rate ski, <laughs> ski slope and then to a... Uh, Less than better uh, Six Flags or whatever. Mikey obviously has not had any apple fritters up there in Sevierville. I also hate apples. Uh. <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, look, like I said, I'm not Dolly Parton. I'm scoring much higher. It's okay. I hate apples. Can't even pronounce it. I'm just joking. Uh, the goal was to decrease uh, high school dropout rates. She then started the Buddy Program in which Parton gave $500 to every 7th and 8th grader who finished high school. 
And this is an 88 when 500 bucks was actually pretty solid, right? Yeah, it's like a thousand bucks nowadays. Yeah. According to the organization, the initiative was successful and the dropout rate declined from 35% to just 6%. Huh. Damn, that's insane. I know. It's pretty solid. I mean, pretty good result. Now, it's coming from them, so maybe yeah. question it. But I'm sure it was, I'm sure it's an improvement. But still, like, that's like 30, 29%. Like, even if it's 20%, mm-hmm. 15%, mm-hmm. started by one person's initiative, that's yeah. impressive. Pretty solid. In 1991, she opens the world's largest eagle aviary at Dollywood to house bald eagles, who at the time uh, were endangered. However, uh, when one flew out of the aviary and swooped down onto the stage, where Dolly was performing in the park and snatched her wig off. She closed the aviary down and sent all the eagles to Knoxville's Kenny Rogers Roasters <laughs> for, for processing. That was the hot ticket item for that summer. I assume that some of these eagles fed poor people in Knoxville, though, so, you know, half credit. Yeah. <laughs> 1995, she begins the Imagination Library. The nonprofit begins sending one book per month to each enrolled child in uh, Sevier County from birth until their first year of school. It was founded in honor of Parton's father, who was unable to read. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Hey, she loves her ditty. All right. Y'all just need to leave him alone. All right. Every kid got a book every year. Yeah. So that's 12 books a a year. Since its inception, it has donated more than a hundred million children's books. Jeez. That's insane. Because that's, yeah, like it's basically 60 books to every kid for the most part. Each kid starts kindergarten at roughly five. Yep. So, and they're all having 12 kids at a time up in <laughs> Sevier County. <laughs> Woo! In 2016, after the devastating wildfires that impacted Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, she holds a benefit concert which raises over $13 million. In addition to this, she opens the My People Fund, which provided $1,000 a month for six months to families whose homes were completely destroyed amid the natural disaster. Damn, 1000 bucks a month. Yeah. That's pretty solid. Yeah. The fund also donated around $8.9 million to those in need. Wow. The next year, Dolly donated $1 million to the Monroe Carroll Jr. Uh, Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in honor of her niece, who was treated for leukemia at the hospital. In 2020... Dolly donated $1 million to coronavirus research at Vanderbilt University, which helped fund Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine. So, you know, she's part of the uh, Illuminati and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Man, so Dolly Parton directly donated to Moderna's efforts to create the vaccine. Yeah, that was like part of like the same research project that they were. Yeah, that's right. They're country fans, right wingers that hate the vaccine. (laughs) Your queen gave it to you. Take my money. In 2022, Dolly pledges that her company, Dollywood uh, Company, Dollywood Co., uh, will cover 100% of tuition, fees, and books for any employee who is furthering their education. Oh, wow. That year, Dolly also made another $1 million uh, donation to Vanderbilt's University Medical Center in Nashville in June 2022, this time aimed at helping pediatric infectious disease research. And these are just like the big hits of Dolly's uh, philanthropy efforts. Yeah, like I, I hear like random things where it's like, you don't even hear about the small things that she does, like how like random schools will just like you'll be like talking to some of the people that were in like the marching band and they'll be like, we were in an extremely poor part of town. There was no way we had any money to do any of this. And Dolly just came in and wrote a check and we had all of our instruments, all of our uniforms and our high school actually had a marching band because of Dolly Parton. Yeah, that's what I was like, there's plenty of other smaller efforts that I'm not mentioning, like for time's sake, but it's all very impressive. I mean, there's stuff in there where there's like um if you wanted to go to the local community college, you would automatically get $500. Hmm. Yeah. 
So it shouldn't be surprising, I suppose, that she ended up receiving the Carnegie Medal of Philanthropy in 2022. Though she did turn down the Presidential Medal of Freedom when offered by the Trump administration during the pandemic, saying her husband was sick at the time and couldn't travel, she also turned it down when offered a second time by the Biden administration, saying that she didn't want to appear politically motivated. In 2022, Jeff Bezos gave Dolly Parton the Bezos Courage and Civility Award, which recognizes leaders who, quote, pursue solutions with courage and civility. And will also want to be superhero villains. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Bezos. And it's funny. Initially, I was, I was like, that's fucking bullshit, dude. Like, name it the Bezos Award. Then I was like, wait, that's what they've all done forever. Yeah. They've Even, always used their last name as it. Yeah. She won the Carnegie Award. It was Andrew Carnegie. You know what I'm saying? Like, Isn't the Nobel Prize? Yeah. The Nobel Alfred Prize. Nobel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all those deaths. So you make a billion dollars. So you're going to get an award out there. And here's the deal. It's actually a pretty cool award, regardless of what you think about Jeff Bezos, because it came with a hundred million dollars to be used for charities of her choice. Nice. I like that. Mil, hundred mil. Like Dolly said that she would be donating the majority to a new charity effort of hers, the Human Fund. <laughs> <laughs> Headed yeah. by George Costanza. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm sure that over the next decade, we will continue to see Dolly Parton increase her philanthropic efforts. And continuing to be like the kind of person we should all strive to be. And that is Dolly Parton. Wow. Wow. Nice. I like it. Man. She didn't kill anyone. Final scores, dudes. Man, starting off the new year, I'm feeling good about this. You know, we're not diving into uh, an Andrew Tate or. uh, I know, know, man. The Andrew Tate thing. Kind of stoked about how this year starting off with him going to fucking prison in Romania. (laughs) Literally and starting off with Dolly Parton, man. This is a good, it good is, start. I'm glad you you pointed that out too, because like, man, if you ever want to see a contrast, Andrew Tate and Dolly Parton, like, those now, are two different ways of going about life. Exactly, man, they could have also been like the the different scores for us. Like, it could be you know on a scale of Dolly Parton to Andrew yeah. Tate. I'm like, who? What kind of person are you that wants to be Andrew Tate as opposed to be Dolly Parton? You have to be fucked up. Yeah, yeah. don't you want to be? A good person like why is this so hard why why would you possibly uh hold someone like andrew tate in high regard i saw that video of him or his brother beating the shit out of that chick and i was like you fucking kidding me man yeah that score that we gave was entirely too low after all the shit i've learned now yeah. once again once we do the uh the score revisit show yeah there will be a lot of people who bump up including our our favorite Steven Seagal, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, why would you want to be Steven Seagal or Andrew Tate when you could be Dolly Parton? That's yeah, right. I'm with it. So my final take on Dolly is I expected there to be something. Something. Yep. That wasn't just like, ooh, come on. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, definitely. I, I I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect, yep. right? Cheat on her husband. You figure being in showbiz that long, that many opportunities, that many nights on the road. It like, could have happened. It could have, right? But it's not a public. It also couldn't. Thing. And maybe and it may not, yeah, it may yeah. not have, right? And the dude just ran the asphalt company and was lucky yeah. as hell. And, you know, cheer. he was a handsome dude, by the way, too. I was like trying to figure this out. I looked him up. All right. And I mean, he's about 12 feet tall and, <laughs> the, you know, good model bone structure right. and good hair. Like, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was a handsome dude. Also, there's nothing wrong with like not wanting to be in the spotlight. This Maybe he just true. wanted to like sit back. And that's actually, I think that's probably more respectable than me trying to like catch on her coattails. But I'll put out my own country album <laughs> yeah. called The Gravel Layer. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the same time, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe she did. But that's really that's the only complete thing. Complete speculation. Complete, yeah, no, I'm just making shit up that just, I don't know. I was expecting something and I, I got nothing, man. If, and, 
if we have Mr. Rogers at a 1.0, yeah, I've got her probably at a 1.5, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Just didn't, everything was very, very, very positive. Very, She's a, a very positive nice lady. person. Yeah. Very nice person. Very honest and like authentic person. And she just was giving her money away. Yeah. yeah. Like, and to good causes. Yep. Yeah. Not trying to like just hoard it and keep yeah. it. And, you and know. she didn't hyphenate her last name. She did on her passport. She did. It's not hyphenated. She said it was anyway. We won't. Have, we won't get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> I won't call Dolly Parton a bitch for hyphenating her last name on her passport. She's one of the exceptions. It's a Randy's rule. Buddy, what do you got? Final take. All right. So for me, um, you know, I I just loved everything that I heard. You know, um, I was expecting you know just something in there like Randy was talking about where you know maybe there was just a little bit of controversy, but I love that there wasn't. You know, it kind of, you know, reminds me of our grandparents days, just that kind of, you know, sit down, do you know, put your nose to the grindstone, do your work and just, you know, treat everybody like you want to be treated in a sense. She's very authentic and uh, the world would be a better place if there was more people like her in it. So I, I, I love it. Um, I love little anecdotal things that I hear about her that just reinforce who she is like, you know, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, I forget which episode, but, you know, Miley is her goddaughter and so i know that there's been times that miley will contact like text dolly stuff but dolly doesn't text um so every time that miley sends her a text it actually comes through the fax machine fax machine i've heard this yeah and then so dolly will reply by fax you know like write it out and put it into the fax machine and then it texts back it goes from fax to text back to miley and stuff like that so you know she's just a, a an old soul caught up in the new world and, you know, she brings a lot of those old traditional values here to this world, which we sorely need, especially in this times of Instagram and uh, really just doing whatever you can in order to get attention, whether it's right or wrong. Dolly doesn't do that. She's authentic. I love her, her sense of humor. I love her style. I love that she doesn't, you know, try to sugarcoat anything. She is just who she is. And I love it. So uh, originally I had her at a 1.75 and I'm dialing it back. Um, I don't know. A, a lot enough about Mr. Rogers. I kind of want to put her at a 1.0, but I, 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 I got to put her a little bit higher than that, but I'm going to do a final asshole score of a 1.25 for Dolly Parton. 1.25 for buddy. Mikey, take us home. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to echo a lot of what you guys said. Although I will push back a little bit on what buddy was saying, because uh, she is the ideal of what people think things were better in the past. Like it was like things were, that's when people really cared about people. They were fucking horrible back then too. Like in fact, like we've talked about this all the time. Like there's a lot of uh, like family abandonment and like alcoholism and beating people and shit like that. Like live in smaller communities and stuff like that, which is maybe you have to, you know, you have a, a smaller network and you're sort of held to account a little bit more. There was no Instagram, but most of the people back then were, equivalent to what we have now she is what the ideal of what people talk about like oh back in the day when people actually cared about their communities and stuff like that she is that see i'll push back on that mm -hmm. and say that no matter what time you go through you're always going to have your alcoholics your abusers the people that are fighters and yeah. stuff like that that are going to buck the law mm -hmm. but i look at it more as a sense of you know back in the day there was people that would actually you know like help out your neighbor. Like mm -hmm. if you saw somebody that was on the side of the road trying to, yeah. with a flat tire, yeah. nine out of 10 times back in the eighties, somebody was stopping to fix that. To, yeah. uh, anybody, anybody that passed it was stopping to fix that. Nowadays, I mean, I'm sure there's nine cars that pass before the 10th actually stops. So yeah. 
Yeah, they're probably. I mean, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I, I always get a little hesitant to be like, man, that's when things were right. I'm always like, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You know, I, I remember growing up, though, in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. and this sounds very basic, like, it, and it's legit. We could go across the street next door, any of the houses right around us. Yeah. And borrow sugar. Borrow a like cup that. of sugar. Right. Borrow yeah. a couple eggs. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think that you could still do it now, but I just you just don't do it. You don't nope. ask. It doesn't happen. Nah, it'd be so, really and, weird. Like, my neighbors around me, we yeah. wave, we're friendly, we're cool. Yeah. If I went over there and asked them for eggs, they'd be like, would you prefer to get to them not ask egg like ask you for eggs now, or would you like them to come over and ask for eggs? Uh, you know what? My neighbor across the street doesn't have any qualms asking me for shit. He comes asking and used my yard equipment all the time. Okay. Hey man, can I use your blower? Hey man, can I use your eggs? Yeah, I gave know? my neighbor the my lawnmower like over the summer. I was like, Yeah, have at it yeah. or whatever. So it still happens. It's just like back then it was like also, you know, sugar was like different I guess, you know what scares me is that we're a generation away from it being just like something you study in history books and completely foreign in a sense yeah where you know at least everybody was more friendly and you know just talk to each other more oh man shit somebody rings my doorbell everybody on your phone what the fuck is this ring you're on your ring look yeah who the fuck's at my door because i'll give you a prime example of why you don't do this shit sometimes and that was my neighbors when i first moved in and they rang my doorbell. Now I knew them. I talked to them. I and mean, it was cool. And they're like, hey, we got to run errands. Like, can you watch our kids for a second? And I was like, well, yeah, because I'm a nice guy. Also, you don't fucking know me, which is a little weird, but okay. And then six hours later, oh they come and picked him up. I was fucking furious. Six and I was hours? like, yeah. I was That's like, a free babysitter right oh, there. I was fucking pissed because I was also hungover. And I was like, and I was like, I'll be nice. Yeah, this is what you do. Because look, what most are you people, running up to the grocery store real quick and most, be back in 45 minutes? Most people are still good people. And if you ask them that, they'll, they'll, they'll do that. But I, I was like, never again. Don't you fucking ever ask me to do that shit again. Wow. You took advantage of a good situation. Yeah. Like, I would never do that. I would never drop my kid off and be like, hey, I barely know you. Can you just watch them while we go run an errand? So, again, we digress pretty hard here. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's Dolly Parton is all of those good things that we want. Dolly Parton is me hungover being like, yes. I'll watch your kid. <laughs> Dolly Parton is also the one that will, uh, you know, pick him back up in 30 minutes. <laughs> Dolly Parton is the one that will give you sugar. Dolly Parton is the one that will give you a blower if you need it. Right. Maybe a blow job yeah. if you need it. Change no, she th- wouldn't. Change. Don't you dare taint she her. She was highly sexual. She's pretty open about it. She may not blow you for fun, but. <laughs> Humor does not designate whether or not you're a cheater. That's that's not about cheating. She just liked, uh, she was sexual. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that she's going to give you a blow job. I know. Well, I shouldn't disparage her like that. I didn't mean that. It was part of a joke. Anyways, let me get back to the score here. I am going to score Dolly Parton at a 1.15. She is obviously a very good person. I, I tried. Now, you guys didn't have the luxury of this, but I fucking really tried to find something dirty because I was like, man, if we can find something bad on Dolly Parton, this would be way more interesting. It's not there. It's huh. not there. Not there. I like it. And that's 60 years of her being a celebrity. Nothing there. Wow. Yeah. I like it. All right. With a 1.5 from Randy, a 1.25 from Buddy, and a 1.15 from Mikey, Dolly Parton's final asshole score is a 1.3. Lowest score of all time, 1.3. As we all know, Mr. Rogers is our 1.0. Hitler is an 11.0. Dolly Parton, 1.3. Lower than the Pilgrims. That one will probably stick. 
for the rest for of the, the show. Ever. Like, for and eternity. also, you know, Mr. Rogers is a 1.0, but we still haven't even done a show we on him. I know. And it's he did possible. cocaine and was a sniper in Vietnam. Like, it's possible he's going to jump up. <laughs> it's possible. We'll see. <laughs> awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As always, go check us out on patreon.com slash AHC podcast. Our top tier members are going to get some really cool shit in the month of January. Appreciate the support. Uh, again, shout outs on the show, future voting rights to other shows. Uh, we love the support, kind of what keeps us going. We love the interaction on all of our social media platforms. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Give us some show suggestions. We're getting some good stuff coming in lately, and uh, we definitely appreciate it. And, and always, be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court. <laughs>